Fanboy Nation. This is your pal Daffy Duck, and you're watching. You're watching. We're watching. You're watching Fanboy. 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 A fanboy, etc. Fanboy Nation. God, I assume Tom. <laughs> this afternoon, we get to talk comics with Tyler F. Martin, whose series, The Antagonist, has been greenlit for for an entire uh, series. Tyler, how you doing, man? Good, man. It's uh. Weather's beautiful in Atlanta today, and so, uh, as you stated earlier, man, anytime we get to, c- to talk comics, it's going to be a great day. Well, you have to explain one thing to me before we get started with anything else. What is a blurred? Like, are you pulling, like, a John Cena thing and I can't see you, or, like, what is that? Uh, a blurred is just a uh, terminology for uh, a black nerd. Okay. Works for me? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's growing popularity over the past uh, decade, and it's just, you know, if you Google it or check it out on Twitter, Facebook, or any, um, you know, any hashtags like that, it'll take you to an entire entire community of um, uh, black and brown people who absolutely adore comics and manga, things of that such. Okay, because I didn't know if the rest of us uh, ethnic minorities got our own little uh, slang term for it. Hey, you you, you deserve it, you know? (laughs) I'm all for it. <laughs> you know, well, you know, you're with the uh, Godhood Comics. You know, the antagonist has been a fan favorite, and then all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden, we're gonna we're gonna downplay it, please. So for like the past six seven years, you know, you've been around with this thing, and now Neil uh, Brenham is uh, t- taking the TV rights. Yeah, well, you're actually right. The first time, this is all of a sudden, the antagonist comic book series has only been out. Uh, it officially came out August 20th, and it's only been uh, making its around since December uh, 1st of 20 of, of 2019, um, of 2020, which we uh, launched the Kickstarter and did $25,000. So it's definitely all of a sudden. Uh, God of Comics had other titles, and it's, it was founded back in 2014. So the publishing company has been around for about five, six years, but uh, the antagonist has only been around for about a year now. So what's it like that the comic's been around for a year and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, all right, we're getting a TV show out of this. Like, is this going to be live action? Is this going to be animated? How's it going to work for you? So uh, we're hoping uh, live action is what we're shooting for, and we're pretty excited about that. Um, initially, uh, when writing, when coming up with the antagonist concept, it was something that I knew was uh, unique, not only to uh, the comic book scene, but just uh, in media and, and, and any genre uh, and so I just knew that uh, the way I was structuring it, it could be some type of adaption. I didn't know what, but some type of adaption. And obviously every author, every writer, any medium would love to see uh, their work on the big screen in some sort of capacity. So, uh, man, it's just a, it's a dream come true overall. Yeah. Well, everyone's got a big screen in the house now after the last year and a half that we suffered. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the the fun part about this is you've you've created characters like Mega Woman, Sharpshooter, you know, and and what else is going on with antagonists? You know, what was the final catalyst to sit there and like put it all together and go, this is the type of story I really want to tell that we really haven't seen anywhere else. I think uh, we're all fascinated with villainy. Um, I think we're all, you know, comic book nerds and just, uh, humanity in general. We are so, um, uh, fascinated with 
be the big bad guy. We, we want to know why they did it, how they do it. Um, you know, from the 48 Laws of Power to, uh, the book of, uh, uh the book of tyrancy. Um, we're just, as a culture, fascinated from villainy. And I always, some of my favorite comic book characters, uh, Joker, Lex, Lex Luthor, uh, Thanos, uh, Dark Side number one. I'm just so fascinated with them. And, um, really we have not seen a lot of authentic comic book series told not not you know, not single issues or volumes we haven't seen entire series a lot of entire series i'm a huge fan of mark miller's uh, nemesis but we haven't seen uh an entire series devoted to the villains and why and how and where and so uh it was so so exciting for me to come up with the story because i wanted to tell the story of an actual super villain you know we one thing that's fascinating and you and you bring up the uh the robert green book uh you know what is it 48 laws of power um, I'm fascinated with the fact, like, you know, you know, when you sit there and you hear somebody pull off something like utterly evil and it's not like I'm, you know, cheering them on. It's like, wow, I'm impressed that someone went to those depths to pull right. something that, that bad off. Like that's the fascinating part to me. Right. Right. And yeah. by no means is fascination uh, 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 grounds for like, um, uh, uh, you know, pride or anything or like, you know, giving them a, a round of applause. It's just like, how did they do this? And furthermore, how did we let them do this? You know, one of my, uh, I, I, I'm a huge fan of World War II or just like the knowledge of World War II and, and the, the steps and things that, that happened to, that led Hitler to power and how all of us could have prevented that. You know what I mean? So that's where the fascination comes from. Right. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. I'm not sitting there, like, I'm impressed with, not like, oh my god, they did it, that's great, but oh my god, how'd they pull it off, and nobody right. noticed. Right, because you know, even in Robert Greene's book, like, The 48 Laws of Power, you know, uh, they say if you adapt all 48 laws, then you know, you're some kind of tyrant, but there's a lot to learn from that book, even if you take one law of power away, it's all about growth and how you use it, and the antagonist is about uh, what you, how you use these abilities that you've come across. You know, that also reminds me of um, the fascination with the mafia and how everyone wants to be mob-like, but no one really wants to do mob stuff. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> you know, and it's also uh, a testament to Thanos' popularity since, uh, you know, Avengers Infinity War, right? It, it's just like that was the ultimate villain. Um, and, and and to the point, uh, a good villain to, to a certain extent is somehow relatable, right? Um, deep down in all of us, you know, because we have an ordered and structured society, we're able to check some of our most egregious impulses. But what if these checks and balances was we you know, weren't around. What if we had the ability to shoot lasers from our eyes? Would, 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 everybody would say they'd be a superhero, but would you? You know, and so that's what the antagonists touch on. You know, it, it's that thing like if you had mind control, would you really use it for good or evil? Absolutely, purple, purple man, one hundred and one. Yeah, you know, and then I mean, even if we go into the Hulk comics, you know, you have, you have the brain, and then you have the Hulk, the brain versus the brawn, and at some point, the brain sit there and go, you know what? I'm tired of all this. Right, man. Yes, yeah. And that's, you know, it was, it was so critical for us to kind of develop the story the way we did and, and, you know, give it, uh, give a, a, a drive behind why these characters are acting the way they act. And uh, a lot of people uh, related to how they were acting and why they were acting. And, you know, we all have our own motivations for what, for, for why we do what we do and why we do what we don't do. Right. You know, um, Going, going through all this, you know, comics, 80 plus years, 90 years, if we go back all the way to the Phantom, uh, 
wasn't the most inclusive. Uh, it, and it was based on the majority population at the time. And now inclusion's a big thing. Um, you know, and I know you're an avid Star Wars fan. I, I used to be. And I will tell you, you guys got way better representation than we did because you guys got Billy D. Williams and we got a dude with a fish head. So, uh, when, when you say we, you're, I mean, where, where, what's your background? I'm from, my family's from the Middle East. So we got General Akbar, a dude with a fish head. And you guys got Billy <laughs> D. Williams, so like yes. you guys won yeah. that diversity card for Star Wars. Yeah, you know what? I don't think it's a it's it shouldn't be a the problem is even from back then and still today it shouldn't be a uh, a tit for tally type of thing, right? It should be it, it should have been back then almost normal to be included into something because the people that are watching these are direct representations of what you know the people you're selling it to are direct representations of what the country represents or the entire world. And so, especially for uh, founded comics, which we do BIPOC, uh, black and indigenous people of color, so we do uh, just black and brown people of color. Uh, so that's Native American, indigenous, Middle Eastern, Asian, and Hispanic comics books um and so i don't think that it's a like a tit for tat tally kind of thing i think everybody should be equally um and equitably um uh, represented I, I think what shang chi just did for the asian community was the same thing that black panther did for the african-american community and i think every community every group minor, minority group should have that type of level of uh, uh, uh representation of course, but I gotta tease a little bit. Like, you can't get cooler than Billy D. Williams in 1977, and we gotta do with a fish. Oh, yeah, well, you know, you, got, you can take it back 10 years before that Star Trek, you know, so, yeah, it, it's, it, yeah, yeah, definitely, I agree. <laughs> you know, well, I, I did talk to, uh, Rod Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry's son, and, you know, cause it's the 55th anniversary of Star Trek, and we yes. sat there, and, you know, I was like, it was funny, like, nobody cared that Captain Kirk was making, making out with the, uh, with the green girl, but then, you know, he starts kissing uh, Nichelle Nichols and the world lost its mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just watched an entire documentary on uh, TV One about that incident and Nichelle Nichols and, and how she felt it was her job to, to do that. Yeah. Um, and I just powerful. But you're absolutely right, man. It's crazy. And sweetest lady, too. Oh, so humble. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it was just funny. Like, green was OK, but the black lady was the problem. Yeah, I'm just like, what? You know, it's just almost like, and, and racism in itself is just lunacy. Like, it's just, there's no ground to stand on. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous, right? We all have, I mean, all cultures have, uh, certain, uh, anonymities that are, that, that are true and, you know, this, you know, establishes them for who they are in their culture, but just the outright thing of racism. I mean, it goes back to World War II and, and, and Hitler's, uh, blaming uh, World War One on the the Jews is just so stupid, and so. But you know, we're humans; we're all dumb. So, right. well, this is the one thing I say about racism, you know. And I and this is, of course, jokingly before people get on my case. I was like, those people you don't like can't be that bad because they just made something delicious. So, if their food's that good, the people can't be that bad. Absolutely, absolutely. I was just saying this. I went to a sushi is my favorite food, and uh, you know, with the whole uh, Asian hate pandemic, South Asian hate. I'm just like, what? The same people who are assaulting these people are the same ones that are going into these restaurants, you know, or, or eating soul food. Or my biggest one, uh, you go, especially in Atlanta and Georgia, you go into which is a red state. You go into any Mexican restaurant, and you just see. So you know, you, you'll see a Trump happier in there, or one or two, and so it's just always ironically funny. Well, you know, that's the world we live in, man. So it's all, it's always going to be at least entertaining at the very least. Hey, you, life's short, man. You got to turn a joke into you, Everything has to be a joke at some point. 
you know, I don't care about people's politics so long as they're nice to each other. And that's the one thing that matters more than anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now you being a comic fan, you know, we, we used to sit there and go like representation wasn't always there. Like we finally got Simon Baz. That's like our one at DC comics and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and even in the seventies, like people will go back now and look at it and like super friends, like, I can't believe what they did. And I was like, but you have to realize, like, that was inclusion at the time. You know, you got Samurai, you got El Dorado, you had Black Vulcan, you know. Apache. Yeah, Apache Chief. So, like, but people don't realize that for, like, 1977, that was considered inclusion, not racism. Right. You know? Like, how do we look back? Like, you're doing The Antagonist now. You're doing it from your view now, uh, you know, 2021. I, You know, we'll look back at 1977 for that show. You know, is there, like, kind of, like, a respect factor of, like, that's what it was, but that's not what it really is? Or is it, like, that presentism of, I can't believe they did that to us then, you know, and now we can't respect it at all? I think it's uh, perspective. Um, The one thing about the Antagonist comic series is we wanted everybody who who reads it to take away something different about the characters. I designed all the characters. I writ uh, all the characters in the book so that different people are going to love or hate them. Um, one of my favorite characters in the book is a superhero, a Superman analog uh, called the American. And the American is this uh, awesome, extreme, super-powered, all-love do-gooder who stands for the very, very value and truths of American society, very modern uh, American society. Um, but he doesn't believe uh, that we should be looking to the past. He thinks we should be looking forward. Well, there's some people, and, you know, that may, myself or other people included, may say, well, in order to move forward, we have to address the issues of the past. So I think it's all about perception, and that's how we design this book for different people from different backgrounds, religious beliefs, and, as you said, uh, uh, political backgrounds, to take away something different. And I'm telling you, as a black man who wrote the, who created the book, that my favorite character is the white man, white blonde male in the book and, 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 and his whole journey. You know, and did you catch grief for that too? Cause you know, like people today, like will look for anything or any one reason to sit there and not like something. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We I caught a lot of grief, you know, from, you know, uh, black people were upset that I had, had, had made the superhero, uh, you know, the Superman analog, a white man and he's blonde, blah, blah, blah. But, um, luckily me and myself and, and how I structured God at comics is like, we're, we're, I, we're so unapologetic. I, I'm going to write what I want to write. I'm going to create the stories that I want to create. Um, I love, I, I always think that a good writer is writing for them, right? If someone, likes it along the way, then, hey, good job. You've done a good job. But I, frankly, I write for me. I write for what I want to see. I write for my experiences. I write for how I want how I, my image of the world. And so uh, we caught we a lot of flack for that. Um, but it's a reason why he's white. It's a reason why the Americans are the Americans. And, you know, as you go through the series, we've got about 150 issues planned out so far. And so you'll see everybody's growth. So, you know, I mean, it's, for, it's, it's, it's like to be upset about the first three issues of a 150-issue series, you're not really serious right and how does that change the perspective of the series itself because you know we got the first three out and then it's a hundred a hundred plus that are planned out but all of a sudden now it's going to tv like how do we keep up the weekly tv writing you know to match the monthly comic release 
Well, I think uh, all of us involved with the uh, adaption, TV adaption, is so excited about the adaption. And number one, uh, for me, uh, bringing guys on who were who loved the story in general. You know, what take out the take out the television show. Right. You, I wanted them to love these characters in this story in general. And so when you have that love and that camaraderie, um, we are all in, you know, we're all working on good storylines. You know, it is an adaption. So we're all working on good storylines. And, and I think it's going to be very pleasing. We're, like I said, we're all excited to jump start, to jump start this thing. Right. The one thing I, I like, you know, you're bringing things from different perspectives. Without this notion of posturing, you know, it's not this giant Harley Quinn mallet of, this is what it is, and you have to see it exactly the way I do. Like, you're given perspectives and multiple interpretations and allowing the reader to be smart enough to use critical thinking and go, I like this, I don't like this, I can see their point of view from this side, and eh, that's not really my thing, but I get why somebody would be like that. You know, and I really appreciate that because storytelling has gone so far away from that over the last few years. Absolutely, man. I agree 100%. And because this story was semi-political, that's how I had to take myself and my views out of it, right? And so to balance how I created the family, that's why I brought in the Americans, right? Um, because, you know, storytelling today is so one-sided or it's either the left or the right. And that, you know, they're, they're, everything's not black and white. And the antagonist is a testament to a story where everything is not black and white. It's about bad people doing horrendous things and, and uh, I mean, bad people doing good things and good people doing bad things. Um, and so getting, reading the story and taking something away, you know, we get, uh, I get emails every day, man, uh, that one guy will say he hates one thing and we get another email from another guy that, that says he loves that one thing. Um, and so when I start getting those, that's when it was like, okay, boom, let's continue this. You know, it, it's always interesting, like, and and then sometimes I refer to it and, it, you know, it's not a coin, it's not a term I coined, but I heard it and I stick with it. Mental gymnastics, like, they'll justify one person's bad behavior, but someone doing something equally as bad because they don't like them, they'll, they'll denounce them instantaneously. Absolutely. I, man, I, oh God, you're, 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 you're barking up the, the right shoe right now. I, um. I, 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 I'm not a huge fan of cancel culture at all. Um, I think, uh, it, you see, it's just a lot in the political agenda where the Dems will do one thing, the Dems will call out Republicans for one thing and they'll do it themselves and vice versa. And so I think it's really more about self. Um, humans, in, humans collectively are just like the dumbest things, right? We get into a group and we commit all kinds of atrocities. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you have to make things more individual. You have to think for yourself. You have to do for yourself. You have to believe in yourself. You know, and that's one of the foundations of America. How do we get back to that now when, you know, we watch commercial news? I don't even want to call it mainstream. I want to call it commercial because, like, it depends where the advertising dollars come from. And then go, you know what? Like, how do we meet in the middle? Like, you know, because you've heard the people sitting there ratting their neighbors out. Like, this one didn't do this. This one left the house. This one did that. And I was like, man. And, like, my ancestors had a saying. It's better to have a close neighbor than a distant brother. And, and this is like, a, you know, this is a 2,500 year old saying, 20, you know, that, that's been coming from the Middle East ever since. So like, how do we get back to that notion of it's better to have a close neighbor than a distant brother, you know, than sitting there and ratting our neighbors out? Well, you know, this has always happened, right? Uh, I say this all the time. What we're seeing in the modern world, it's only, uh, 
worse because it's televised. We can actually see it. We can pull out our phone and see what's going on. This has happened since the dawn of man. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Well, collectively, we don't make good decisions, right? And so it's about being in one house. It starts with one household. How you fix this country starts with one household. Right. It's two parents who who have belief and value. Right. And they raise their kids with that same value of camaraderie and love and kindness and compassion and togetherness. And right. And so that whole eventually that whole neighborhood gets trickled out and those kids grow up and they leave and they move to other places and those, they take those values with them. So it starts with self. It starts it's an individual fix. It, you're, the country will never be fixed as a collective. It's an individual fix. and It has to start with one person. Well, I like that you're pushing the narrative of the two-parent household because from your bio, it said that you were raised by a single mother. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I am very, very traditional, very, very traditional. Um, I, I'm so excited. I cannot wait to start my, my family. Um, you know, my mom was super strong, super powerful. Uh, the mom and the antagonist is, is highly based on my mom, um, have a physical embodiment, powerful, a super powerful embodiment of my mom's uh, feats. Um, and so uh, I never missed out on anything, but even today as a 30-year-old man, I would have loved to have a father in the house. And so, um, as I said, was making it about self, um, fixing those things, ending those generational curses that we all go through, that we all have, and making sure you set things right and you start, when it's time to start your family, you fix some of those things that happen to you, right? That's how you fix the country. Right. I, I dig your perspective on this thing, man. When I come out to Atlanta, we're going to have to get together. Hell yeah, man. It's my city, bro. I'll take you everywhere. You know, you're going to go to Dragon Con this year? I, not, man. We went to, uh, I went to Atlanta Comic Con, uh, last, uh, month. Um, Dragon Con is going on right now. Um, uh, well, it's coming up and, uh, well, no, it's going on right now. But, uh, the Antagonist Comic Series dropped August 20th. And so I am swamped right now with fulfilling orders. And we've got about 450, uh, books to ship out in which, it's only me and my assistant that we're shipping all these books out personally. So uh, I could not make it to Dragon Con this year. You know what that means for next year, right? Oh, big time. You're, you're taking three tra- three graphic novels with you and three trades that you're going to be selling over there. Absolutely, man. And I'm going to have, we're going to be on that, we're going to have that big table on the corner. I, I agree, man. <laughs> and the <laughs> best part wrong. is you don't have to pay for a hotel. You just Uber in or ride your bike in and then go home. Bro, that was the amazing part about Atlanta Comic Con, you know. And um, you know, with COVID nineteen being the way it is, I just, us comic book guys, man, we're so passionate about it. And one thing we saw at Atlanta Comic Con was people were coming out. They had on their masks. They were vaccinated, but uh, you know, we were we we were playing it safe because we were doing what we love to do, and that's creating comics, reading comics, and being around that. And so I think Dragon Con here in Atlanta is going to showcase that same thing. I, I want to ask this from a, from a perspective because, you know, like I've heard weird terms like post-racism, you know, and then like uber racist and white supremacist and all this stuff. Like I, I knew they were around for a long time, but like the post-racism thing made me laugh. But like the, the one thing I want to understand is like, when do we get past the point of like Tyler F. Martin, black comic creator, African-American comic creator, and just become Tyler Martin comic creator? When, when, uh, black and brown influence has been in the media for, uh, 150 years, right? right? And what, and that means equal, equitable representation, right? And so I get all this and I hear this question a lot and it, and it, it confuses me a lot because, um, only in the past three, 
decades have you seen? So past 30, uh, or like, well, you know what? Yeah, only in the past about 50 years have you seen, start to see black and brown faces in mainstream media. Well, compared to the time frame in which the, the television was created and the camera was created, which is about 180 years ago, well, 50 years isn't a lot. Right. 40 years isn't a lot. So once we get to that, well, for, for uh, first to answer your question, once we, once, uh, Hollywood and mainstream media, um, which they're doing a, a real good at on camera, but, uh, remember representation means behind the camera too, right? It means in the writer's room. It means in executive producing. It means all this, which is all getting good in Hollywood. But once it's more authentic, once it's not, uh, placated, once it's not, uh, just, the, uh, because it's good to do on social media. Once it's an authentic movement, um, and once we hit 150 years of equitable representation, then we can say Tyler F. Martin, comic book creator, okay. right? But right now, we're going to make it known that this is a black comic book creator who has, who has, who has, who has growing, who has found some, some type of success in the industry, and it's somebody you want to look out for. Um, and so, again, I was, I was a house, a high school teacher for about uh, eight years and I, I quit, I retired early to, uh, write comics full time and, and I say the same thing. It's, it's equitable, right? If you, you, you give, you have a six foot tall teenager and you have a five foot two tall teenager and you're telling them both to get that out from the tree. Mm-hmm. Well, in order to make it uh, equal is not having them start at the same time, right? They'll mm-hmm. both make it to the tree at the same time. Uh, so that's fair because it's equal, but equitably, you're going to have to give that five two student uh, a ladder so he can climb up the tree whereas a six foot guy can just grab it right so once we get to that thing where you know what this is as normal as it has been for the white man and, and the European faces for the for a hundred years or for those of us that were on the track team you know how they spread how they uh, fan everything out on the corner before they before they start the race absolutely yeah that way absolutely. that way it's an equal distance when when they start the race. Absolutely. And I want to, I want to re, I want to, uh, state this and reiterate because a lot of people seem to not understand this comics game and, you know, a lot of, of the white writers and creators or just the right, uh, white culture in, in general. Um, pro black, pro Hispanic, pro, uh, you know, pro, pro Asian, uh, pro anything does not mean anti white at all. Right. Um, and so that's where I think the disconnect comes from. Especially when you go and get into the political game of Black Lives Matter and all this other, uh, um, there's a disconnect meaning that just because I'm pro-black in my comic books to represent, you know, people, you know, are brown and black people of color, that doesn't mean we're not going to have Caucasian characters and heroes and things like that and that we don't admire Captain America. My, all my favorite superheroes are white. Mm-hmm. All of them. Right? And that's just what we're getting to them. I have to accept them. Um, and so, uh, to, when you ask that question or like, when is it going to be, you're going to take that title away, it's going to be when America and and the elites allow us to get rid of that title. That title has nothing to do with me. It's, it's the title that they have put on us. I, you know, being fair skinned, I I get it from both ends. Like my people forget like what I look like, and then they think, and I can pass for white, and then white people forget that I'm not one of them. So like I get it from both ends. Right. And like it's it's interesting because like I I hear the the white complaint, and it usually comes with white people telling white people. To check their privileges, you know, when that was a big thing a couple of years ago. And I'm like, dude, that guy's pouring on welfare. The other guy's pouring on welfare. What privilege does he have, you know, being poor? Well, 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 to 
because there's a privilege there. If there again, it goes back to 150 years versus 30 years. There, there's a privilege there, and I, and I don't particularly want to get into political no, no, politics. No, just you know, like because uh, I'm an outsider looking in too. That's the thing. Right. Yeah, and I don't. You know, I don't want to necessarily get into politics right now. But but there is there is a privilege. Um, even if you take a black male, uh, a black man in his 40s, poor, and you take a white man in his poor in his 40s and and is poor. Uh, uh, that white man statistically still has about 25% more, more chances of walking away from a felony offense mm-hmm. than his black counterpart, 25% chance of walking away from a loan than his black counterpart, and 25% more chances of walking away with uh, uh, education, bearing standing education than the black man. The, 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 this is statistic. I mean, you can these numbers are everywhere. Um, that again, that doesn't mean you hate the white man, right? Again, it goes back, and I always say this because this is this is what I taught. This is what I was taught by my mom. This is what I taught my students. Equitable, mm-hmm. giving every person what they need to be successful, okay. and every one of the things are going to be different. Okay. Like I said, I'm an out, you know I'm on the outside looking in. So like I'm first generation American. So all the stuff that like happened. Between black and white people in the United States, you know, my family's only been here for 40 plus years. So I'm not sure like exactly how everything goes. Like they'll tell you one thing in school, you'll see something else in the, in the street and then whatever else. So it's like a mixed bag, you know? Right, right, right. And again, every person, black, white, brown, or purple has to do their own research. They have to formulate their own opinions. Um, but the proof is always going to be in the pudding. Right. Um, if your eyes are open and, and you and you seek truth and you seek justice and you seek fairness and, and equity, uh, you know you'll, you'll seek. Now you know, you were you were a teacher. What what subject did you teach? Uh, I taught math. I taught eighth grade Georgia history. I taught FLP mathematics, which which was a um, uh, we took uh, high school age students through uh, middle school uh, level math, and I was also a disciplinarian toward the end. I was the end school suspension teacher after that. Oh, they kept you busy. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of fun, man. That's why I'm so. That's why I'm so uh, big on right and wrong and truth and justice and honor. It just makes me like this perfect comic book nerd, all around Superman. With with your educational background and being a teacher, on top of that, how much has that influenced your comic book writing? A lot, a lot. Um, a lot of the times, I only need an editor for pacing. Um, grammatically, I'm very, very strong grammatically. Um, and uh, professionally, you know, uh, those eight, almost ten years uh, taught me, you know, I was the youngest teacher for a long time, and I was at meetings, I was, I was 21 in meetings with principals and superintendents, so it taught me how to be uh, very vocal, um, uh, opinionated, and, and uh, just having an open mind throughout. Very, 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 very beneficial in what how I am as a comic writer and as a boss and a producer and, you know, how, how I guide and lead my team. You know, being a former educator myself, uh, it, it wasn't the most fun dealing with those staff meetings and listening to the lounge lizards. Oh, God, man. Yeah. yeah. Definitely not. For people Definitely. that don't know, a lounge lizard are the teachers that hung out in the, in the teacher's lounge talking bad about the kids all day. Yes. <laughs> and you know what's crazy is, uh, that like Christopher Nolan says, you know, you, you either die the, you either die the good guy or live long enough to see me. Uh, long enough to see yourself become the villain. And so part of my retirement was because I was getting burnt out real fast and I saw how it was affecting me and my students. I was like, you know, it's time for me to go because I'm, I'm becoming that lizard. Right. 
And, you know, and I had told people, I was like, I used to be completely against homeschooling till I went into education. I was like, maybe there's something to this at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Community, man, community is so important with education. You know, we live in a society where parents just drop their kids off and they they don't give a a rat's thing about, uh, you know, their their education or school. So I was always an advocate for proper and right homeschooling. Well, I, you know, I, I hear from some parents like, I can't wait to send my kid back to school. And I'm like, don't you want to be around your kids? Like, do you hate your kids that much? Well, the one thing COVID showed us in education was that, yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> you know, but we, see, we got to laugh. We got to, we got to make fun of things. We got to enjoy life. And, you know, you were able to walk away from a career where, you know, there's a pension plan. The, there's a union. I, wait, is Atlanta, is uh, Georgia a right to work state or is it a union state? Uh, absolutely, uh, union. Okay. So, you know, you, you walk away from a union job, you walk away from something with a pension to go follow your dream of being a comic book creator. And then in less than a year, boom, you get a TV deal out of it, or at least option for a TV deal. Like, uh-huh. what was that step? of I'm going to leave what people would consider a safe job, you know, because of tenure and because of pension and because of, because of the union to now go live a gig orientated work field. You know, we, we teach uh, classes. God of Comics has an initiative called the God of Comics Schoolhouse. And we teach new comic book creators um, how to start their creative journey. And my mom was someone who played it safe. Um, you know, a lot of our parents played it safe. That was their, their generation. That was their culture. Um, and so, you know, doing everything by the book and working for the government. Um, so I knew early on, even, you know, I, I love teaching. I, I love the kids. I love my, my colleagues, you know, but I was never 100% in it because I knew I wanted to always work for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was never for uh, the uh, playing it safe role. I was always that kind of guy who would, you know, if I'm going to the to gambling, or I was always that kind of guy that would place, put it all on the bed, pull it all, right? You get one life, you just put it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm very good at marketing. I'm very good at communications. I'm very good at showcasing. And so I just knew, you know, I pulled my 401k out and pulled out everything. You know, people's like, you can't do that. Don't do that, blah, blah, blah. But I pulled out everything and I knew I was going to put it all in Godhood Comics. And that's what happened, man. You, you, you put it, whatever you put in in life, you're going to get, going to get the same out or greater. Right. And so that's what happened. You know, because taking that risk would scare the hell out of a lot of people, man. Oh, absolutely. And it's not for everybody. And it's not for everybody. It's, this is hard. This life I've chosen is very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss the days of waking up and just going into the school and, and knowing I'm going to get a paycheck. Right. right? And say it, it's not for everybody. It, it takes tenacity and, and it, it takes perseverance and commitment. Yeah. Well, you've been committed to it. And you know, with, with less than five issues out, here you are with with a Kickstarter and working with Godhood Comics, and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, TV deal coming. Like, what does that say to your perseverance? And, you know, I have a I have immigrant parents, so, you know, it's that play it safe thing. What does your mom tell you when you go, you gave up a teaching gig for this? And, that, you know, before it hit. Well, I was, I was, well, now she's just completely like, you know, I'm so proud of you, but I was always lucky to have my mom to be, she was very supportive of me. You know, anything I wanted to do, my mom was very supportive. Um, and she always told me and my sister that you could do anything you wanted to do. And so that was, uh, another driving force 
behind just walking away. And, you know, I always think about what if my mom wasn't supportive? What would have happened? You know, even as grown adults, we're still so much influenced by our parents. We still care so much about their opinion, uh, approval and opinions. So, um, you know, she was super supportive. So when she, once she told me like, yeah, dude, get out of there, it was over. That, that's when it was like, all right, time to cut and run. Yes. And then for the people that aren't familiar with, with Godhood Comics, how do they come up with the name? Uh, well, so I'm the founder. I don't know if you know. I'm the, I the know. owner. I wasn't in the bio, man. I was like, or I missed it in the bio. I'm sorry. But like, yeah, yeah. how did you come up with Godhood Comics? Uh, I think uh, I'm a huge, huge Greek mythology nerd. Mm-hmm. Huge nerd and um you know in order for uh, any hero to um enter into the gates of olympus they had to uh you know hercules perseus and all these other great heroes they had to have uh achieved their godhood they had to it's when a man has become his best right it's when all of us reach our peak right uh and we're able to step into olympus so god of comics came about i love it man that's a great name too thanks bro i appreciate that man yeah once i heard that i was like oh this is amazing no, it's a great name. You're, you're doing some great stuff there. I'm thrilled for you that all of this is coming together. You know, uh, I don't know if you have a faith background or not, but if that plays into it, you know, God bless you for that on top of it because you were able to pull something off that most people would be too scared to pull the trigger on. Yeah, absolutely, brother. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian, so, you know, it's all, it's all love all around, all the time. Yeah, you're doing something right, and I'm, I'm thrilled for you. I can't wait to see what's going to happen with the antagonist. Not only comic book wise, but television wise. Yeah, man, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be a long and and uh, tedious journey for sure. But just being a part of it and, and being able to live this life and and you know, God at comics is only in our infancy. Um, so I'm very much excited to uh, see the opportunities that that brings with it. You know, and you know for the, for the company and in general. And uh, you know, we've got about uh, only six books. Uh, we got four titles and six books, and uh, I've got about 300 titles planned. And so I, you know, I'm just ready to run down this hill, man. When you wake up in the morning now and realize that you've been in an industry that you've loved your entire life, like how either reveal, uh, how much of a relief is it and how stressful is it? Because it's like, I worked so hard to get what I wanted and now I'm getting what I want. And like, there's always that fear of the shoe, you know, the other shoe dropping. Oh yeah. Man. I all, success is one of my biggest fears, right? I don't say that. I say that in a way, uh, you know, we all ask God for things. We all want things, but when we finally get it, you know, what happens? And so, um, waking up every morning, it's a lot of pressure. You know, I'm here by myself. I'm, I'm fulfilling orders. Um, I'm uh, checking emails, going over scripts. I'm doing all this stuff. Um, once the antagonist, you know, we did a Kickstarter and we did 25,000. And once that thing ended, I just knew that now the pressure was on. Like it's actually game time. And we're in the first quarter, you know, uh, the quarterback in the first quarter, it's game time. Um, so it, it, it's stressful, man. It, it, you know, I have days where I have to contact friends and family because, you know, it's very hard. But at this, when you look at it at the end of the day, it's when I'm going to sleep that I said, damn, man, I just made some money selling a comic book. Like, it's just so therapeutic. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of like when you go to sleep, you're happy, and then you wake up, I'm like, oh, man, it's I got to go to work. So yeah, That's the problem with being your own boss, man. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. For people that want to sit there and pick up the antagonist first three issues, uh, either digital or in hard copy, where do they need to go to get it? 
www.godheadcomics.com. You'll get to, you can uh, order your uh, digital copies or your physical copies. Also, we have some posters and some other merchandise. Uh, before I let you go, Tyler, what are you going to tell that kid that sees you in the comic book industry that thought there wasn't a place for him? Because, you know, the the previous generation like ours and the one before didn't really have that representation of, uh-huh. you know, black creators or black artists. I mean, you know, maybe like 10 years prior to, prior to our age groups, but uh-huh. not much more than that. Like, what do you tell the, the black kid in, say, you know, South Carolina? The, right. that's thinking about it and is like, ah, I'm not sure. And then, you know, discovers the antagonists. You know, I tell them what my mom told me and what every mom, you know, should, 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 you know, kind of convey. Um, and, and that's, you know, you can do whatever you put your heart to. It, it, it's such a cliche statement, but you can actually do in this world, you can actually do whatever you want to do, especially in this country. You can do whatever you want to do with the right consistency perseverance and commitment i love it man tyler f martin founder of godhood comics godhood com- uh, comics.com uh the antagonist got a tv deal former educator the man's living living his life the way uh, he was raised to do so it's been a pleasure chatting with you i can't wait to see what you got next let me know when you come out to southern california i'll let you know when i come out to, to atlanta and we got to get together man Absolutely, Robert, man. The pleasure was mine, man. Honored to be here, bro. Uh, following you all, you got to be following you guys on all, all platforms now, all right? Uh, so, are, uh, so are we, man. I will link everybody back to everything. Uh, you know, your personal one is Tyler the Animator on, on Instagram, but Godhood Comics on Instagram, Twitter, everything else, you know, we'll link everybody to everything. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that, Robert.